You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast number 35. This is following the, the last two podcasts on Kobe Bryant, 33 and 34, for which there were several charts. It is now Wednesday, February the 5th, 2020, uh, about 6.18 in the evening in the greater Eugene area in, in Oregon. So I wanted you to know that. And I want to start off this particular podcast, which is about the coronavirus that has just come out of China. This podcast also includes the chart for China, for modern China, from October 1 of 1949, which is a rather accurate chart, which I'll explain in a moment, as well as transits and progressions regarding China's chart. And there is a total of five charts on our Great Bear website in the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio area where the podcasts are located called Astroscope. I want to start off, however, before we get into these charts and the analysis, I want to bring up the point of why are the podcast that I do rather lengthy, and why are there so many charts? So if we can tackle that for a few minutes, I think you'll understand a lot more about how I've done my work for almost 50 years in astrology, the creation of Welcome to Planet Earth, astrology newspaper and magazine, which was an amazing pioneering adventure in the 1980s and 1990s, and which many astrologers became uh, astrology writers and contributed an enormous wealth of research. And I emphasize research because astrology is not really, oh, what's happening in my chart or what's happening to my sun sign. It's so much vaster than all this. So let me also say that on the Great Bear website, if you go to the front page, you'll see the little tabs on the top It'll say Astrology Shop, Global Hotspots, and so on. There'll also be one called Earth Aquarius News. That was actually the name of the last website that I did, and now it's a component of our Great Bear Enterprises website. And in that section, it includes many of the articles, the longer articles, not podcasts, but the actual research articles I've done over the last several years. But in addition toward the end of that section, we'll have to go like five pages into the Earth Aquarius News tab, again on the the top of our Great Bear website, you will find near the very end a research article I did six years ago about Ebola. And that will give you an example. If you, after you listen to this and you want to understand why is Mark Lerner sharing so, so long, why are there so many charts, what is he doing? Not only myself, but in so many of the other astrologers, many of whom, like myself, have focused not just on personal astrology for decades, but on what we call mundane astrology or earth astrology, which is the astrology of nations and cities and states of the union in the United States and full moons and new moons and eclipses and the beginning of each season and so many other kinds of things, major planetary alignments, and we could go on and on about what mundane or earth astrology people, researchers are doing. So A, let's start off with this particular premise. And by the way, tonight is very interesting because 
the moon is in the sign cancer just so you know that and as i'll say in a moment people often don't realize how powerful the moon is i've shared this over and over again in these podcasts and so much of what i've written we did a moon magazine where everything was about the moon in 1996 it's like 24 years ago and it was the longest magazine we ever did and all the writers contributed what they wanted to write about the moon and unfortunately we don't have a whole bunch of back copies what it's an extraordinary magazine with all kinds of moon lore and mythology and accuracy about the moon cycles and moon progressions and so much more so i just want you to understand what you're all missing because for 20 years so many fantastic astrologers contributed to welcome to planet earth and it was and still is in retrospect and a pioneering adventure and so we're still continuing now with the podcast with great Bear enterprises and connection with so many of the astrologers who have worked with in the past so why so long are these are these podcasts why so many charts so let me answer this i've been on coast to coast radio i've been fortunate enough to be on there since 2004. sometimes I'm, in the beginning i was on for three hours one night the first time i was ever on the summer of of 2004 and sometimes i'm on more recently for two hours but there's a really a short period in the first hour that i've been on coast to coast being asked by their wonderful host george nori about what's happening in the field of astrology astrology related to money business presidents world issues um, current events and so on and then the second hour i'm often asked to take a look at people who are calling in who want to get advice what's happening in their lives will i look at their chart and while I don't want to demean that process, that is not obviously real astrology. And I want everyone to know who, particularly if any of you are listeners to that show, I don't create that format. That is simply something that on coast to coast, they're asking me to do where we'll put in a person's month and year. And if they know their birth time and their city and state, I'm at the computer and I'm sort of frantically typing it in to make sure I know that's correct and the person's name. And then 60 seconds and or for two minutes i look at the chart i get a sense of some of the primary things going on maybe a transit of where the moon is now or some major planets and i try and give advice to the person on the phone this is the best one can do in that kind of format that is not real astrology and it's certainly not the astrology that we're used to in mundane astrology uh, earth astrology so having said all that let me give you an example of something else okay you're listening to what i'm doing i don't know whether you are an astrology student you're a beginner you're intermediate you're an advanced student you don't know anything about it and so on that's why i always talk about the fact that i started these podcasts in approximately may of last year the first 17 were particularly about the united states secondary progressed sun we'll get back into progressions in a moment because they refer back to china and its progress chart I did 17 podcasts in May, June, July, maybe into August of last year about the United States progressed sun, or we call secondary progressed sun, based on the United States birth chart from July 4th of 1776, our Declaration of Independence, as well as the secondary progressed pals Athena, that particular asteroid that had been discovered in 1802. We didn't know where it was located until that point. And once we, we discovered that asteroid and my great teacher, Eleanor Bach, who came out with the first asteroid ephemeris of Ceres, 
Pallas Athena Juno and Vesta in 1973. And she was one of my main teachers that I went to her home with a bunch of other students in where she had her home in Lower Manhattan. She was a fabulous astrologer. She won many awards. She eventually created or contributed several articles that at some point I'd like to be able to do podcasts about in this program in the Mark Lerner Astrology radio area because she wrote these before her tragic passing 20 about 25 years ago. So she's no longer with us, but what she had provided with her, her Planet Watch uh, newsletters, um, her graphic ephemeris of, of significant degrees of the zodiac, a lot of her work is not available. You can't find it because like myself, a lot of this was in a kind of newsletter format or what she gave to her clients and what she shared from her home every month when I knew her back in 1973. So about the charts. Most people who are aware of astrology around the world, the greatest percentage of all of you, and, and again, I don't demean the fact that you may be a, a, a more than a beginner, okay? They may be a, 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 an advanced student in astrology, maybe an astrologer, but I think even advanced astrologers or people who have studied this field and read many books and know a lot about their charts will look at statistically if you talk to different people, some people will say, well, I don't know what my sun sign is. I think I'm on the cusp or I think I'm a this and that. So an enormous percentage of people don't even know their sun sign. But nowadays, most people do at least know their sun sign. But how many of those people percentage wise know how powerful the moon is and how fast that the moon moves and that when we're born, we're really more our moon sign for various reasons I've explained before, I don't want to go into all of that, than the sun sign. The moon has to do with our instincts, our feelings, our emotions, our the, the mothering and nurturing we receive as a child, whether we have an actual mother or we have a surrogate mother, or in some cases where we need a father or an aunt or a friend or whatever it may be, we need to be nurtured by someone or a group of of caring people one way or another in order to eventually understand and empower the sun sign, which is more of the now, more of the, the character, the individuality, more related to our soul and spiritual growth. But in order to get there, the moon has a lot to do with a kind of tribal energy, a kind of group dynamic of other lifetimes, if you accept the premise of reincarnation, and kind of the family we come into being our deep-seated emotions, things that are subconscious and subliminal, and again, even connections to other lifetimes can be understood more dynamically by understanding the moon sign. And the moon changes every two to two and a half days from one sign to another. And then we've got all the main planets from Mercury out to Pluto. We have the four main asteroids and other astrologers use dozens more, but the first four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, I have covered them extensively with now 34 podcasts since last May, and now this is the 35th. Then we have Chiron, what is called the centaur-type body, and there are other centaur-type bodies, Shariklo, uh, Pholos, and other ones that have been discovered since Chiron was observed and discovered back in 1977. The pages of Welcome to Planet Earth, the wonderful contributors about Chiron, um, as well as myself, to explore that archetype of the wounded healer, You'll see in these different podcasts, I explore that. Then there are what we call the nodes of the moon, which go retrograde. They're very important. They've been part of astrology. We go back to ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, Mesopotamia, China, India, all the different astrologies around the world 
have work with the lunar orbit or what are called the nodes of the moon. And they have a lot to do with fate and destiny. And in charts, they look like two different horseshoe-like figures. There are other factors in the charts that we have. We've now discovered planets beyond Pluto. So very often you'll see something like a symbol for Sedna or the letters S-E-D. You'll see uh, Eris, E-R-I. These are faraway planets. They move extremely slowly, but now we're incorporating them into a chart. So somebody wants to know, why, Mark, why are you giving all these charts and so on? Because astrology is complex. It's kind of like now if you go online, let's say you have a medical ailment, and you go online through Google, Safari, or wherever you're going online, and you ask a question, it, often there's what's called WebMD, or they'll send you um, to one of the health institutes like Mayo Clinic says this, or some other health thing, and you can go through the different areas and you'll get kind of a summary of if you ask a particular question about a drug or about the side effects of something and so on. So that's a kind of simple thing. But when somebody has an illness and what we're dealing with with China, the coronaviruses, and you need to go back in order to understand all this, there's not one chart. It's not like, oh, this guy came in to our hospital, he was coughing, he was sneezing. Now, in the Ebola story that I wrote six plus years ago, there was some of that kind of work. I don't know at this point, because this is relatively new, this coronavirus has come out of China in the month of December. That we know that as far as the first recognition and people who were suffering is somewhere between around Christmas and New Year's of December of last year. And that's why two of the charts that are presented or what we call the new moon for December 26th, uh, 2019, that new moon in Capricorn as calculated in Wuhan, China, which is the originating point. So we'll get into this in a moment. Then there's the next full moon, which took place on January 10th of 2020. So those charts, both calculated for Wuhan, China, are in of uh, the list because they are sort of front and center of what I'm getting at, of why there are so many charts. Plus, which I realized later, originally this was going to be what we call an astroflash, which I developed with my daughter who's running our website. She does an incredible job. And so as we have developed the Great Fair Enterprise website, every so often there's a kind of brainstorm, oh, why don't we do this? We could call it astroflash. And astroflash was intended and still is intended for short kind of stories, maybe one chart or two. What I'm doing now as a podcast, a week and a half ago, I was just going to put as an astroflash, I was going to put the two charts, one for the new moon on of Capricorn, which was very powerful, Christmas into de, uh, December 26, 2019. I was just going to do that full new moon chart as calculated in Wuhan, China, then the full moon chart for January 10th, 2020, also calculated there, and let you just take a look at it, give you some pointers, and that was the end of it. That's what this was should have been, or I thought it was going to be, until I decided, I was thinking it through, wait a minute, we do have a chart for China, I wonder what I will see if I look at the transits and progressions, and whammo, suddenly no longer an astroflash, no longer a couple little paragraphs. I've got to do a podcast because there are so many factors and this thing could get out of hand. People are relating this thing, hopefully not even close to the Spanish influenza of 2000, excuse me, of 1918 at the end of World War One, which, which may have affected 50 million to 100 million people. They don't even know how many 
with millions of people who passed away at that point. So again, right now, this coronavirus is being related to the SARS virus, which came out of China. And this is an important point in what I'm sharing tonight from 2002, 2003. And they didn't handle that very well because China is an authoritarian country. They, like the Soviet Union, have their own Politburo. There's all this autocracy. It's very hard to under, to know because the reporters can't get in there or people are not free to speak their minds. And I'll get into that in a moment because I've been downloading every day three, four, five stories from different reputable sources about all of this. One thing I also just want to mention is that my father was a doctor. My uncle was a doctor. I was intended to go to medical school and be a doctor, but instead of choosing the path of what I might say is doctor of the body, I chose more of doctor of the psyche and wound up doing astrology. But even in the beginning of my astrology work in 1972 and 73, the first thing I got into was medical astrology. And I remember, I don't have it, it right now, there was an incredible dictionary. I remember the, the author's last name was Cornell, I think with maybe two L's. And um, it, it had from A to Z, everything about medical astrology, which goes back s several thousand years to ancient Greece and ancient Egypt and ancient Rome and India and China and all different cultures. A fantastic gold mine. I remember having that. I have sold several astrology life uh, libraries that I've had over 47 years in order to move to, as, as I've shared with many of you, uh, being able to go to the Findhorn community in Northern Scotland, late 1970s, to be able to travel in, in those days and not having all that much of an income, I needed to often sell back books and then I would rebuy books. And, and so I'm on my third astrology library at this particular point. So again, back to you and your chart, and then we'll look at everything with this coronavirus that you're all anxious to know about. I laugh a little bit because there's so much to talk about. So if if you're needing to get a reading about your chart, you may want an astrologer or if you do your own research to figure out, okay, here's my sun sign. It's one of the 12 sun signs. I wonder why I'm going through this particular challenge or crisis, or I want to know more about an opportunity, whether it's a love issue or a business issue or a travel issue or a health issue, whatever is going on. But my research, because of the way I've kind of looked at all this and work with mathematics and numbers, and I shared over the in the Kobe Bryant uh, two podcasts of my great love for sports and numbers and growing up in New York City and having this whole wealth of whether it was baseball teams, basketball teams, football teams, hockey teams, and on and on, and playing often many of those sports, not necessarily professionally, but with my friends in group formats, in summer camp, and so on. So I've always been steeped in these different areas, particularly through sports and numbers and mathematics. And in my own birth chart, uh, because I did these 17 podcasts about Pallas Athena. Pallas Athena is very important in what we're doing. And I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to quote from Eleanor Bach, but Pallas Athena, I'm using both names now so that we know clearly what we're talking about. The second main asteroid discovered, aside from its focus on intelligence and knowledge and wisdom and justice and all kinds of themes that are on that line, particularly problem solving and strategizing, the key thing to realize is that Pallas Athena has a lot to do with DNA, with RNA, with the genetic code, with um, everything that has to do with the immune system in the human body. So if I'm looking at somebody's chart 
I need to look at, like if I were doing research on the coronavirus with a group of people, medical students or psychologists or sociologists or everybody trying to figure out what's going to happen. Is it going to spread? Is it going to be a pandemic? You know, what are the authorities doing and so on? I'm, I would be looking at the, which we'll talk about, where is Pallas Athena in particular? It's not the only one. It's just important that we understand Pallas Athena is going to be part of the reason that doctors will come up with either a cure, a vaccine, or something to either, you know, ameliorate the problems, or that's what they're working on now. So Pallas Athena is connected to immunology. It's connected to how we, pre it's, it has to do with its mythology of the shield and all kinds of amazing things in the mythology of Pallas Athena. And so the idea of creating a, a force field or a shield that our bodies are protecting us from germs and bacteria and viruses as in this particular situation. So every celestial body in the chart, we know Mercury ruling the sign Virgo connected to both Gemini and Virgo has a lot to do with health or illness. Mercury's symbol or Hermes symbol, if we look at the Greek or Egyptian name for the same God, Mercury, the messenger of the God, its symbol very often is the caduceus, which has a lot to do with, where there are two snakes that are coiled. This goes back to the whole idea of snakes uh, or serpents representing wisdom, not because they're they're violent or negative. So there's all kinds of esoteric connections to Mercury, the messenger of the gods, its Greek and Egyptian name of Hermes. But Pallas Athena is very powerful. And Eleanor Bach wrote about it in an extraordinary way. And hopefully before the end of this, I'll, I'll give some selections. In some of those first 17 podcasts, I did read from the same source. It's, it's called the graphic ephemeris of sensitive, let me see if I have this, because the cover is not even on it, but a, graph, a graphic ephemeris of sensitive degrees, and it's in a spiral bound volume. Yeah, it's called the graphic ephemeris of sensitive degrees, in parenthesis, planet stations and eclipses with an explanation of their significance and use by Eleanor Bach from Planet Watch Publications, New York City. This is like an extraordinary whole document. And between this and the first asteroid ephemeris, which was in hardcover, which is still available, hopefully through Amazon. Uh, I don't have that right in front of me, but if you go, if you put in Eleanor Bach, Eleanor, the normal spelling in Bach, B-A-C-H, and go to Amazon, you should see her volume of series, Pallas, Juno, Vesta, asteroid ephemeris, it's in hardcover. Hopefully they have some available. There's a lot of writing in there about the asteroids. And that is a wonderful book. Now that I believe only goes from 1900 to 2000, uh, if my memory source is correct. There are more modern uh, asteroid ephemerides. And of course, if you have software, the, the asteroids, if you choose to put them in there, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, they will simply appear. As I've often said also, in our astrology shop, we have a report program, the asteroids, the four main asteroids and Chiron. So if my talking about these asteroids and focusing again tonight um, on Pallas Athena and its connection to the immune system. We're all concerned about the regular flu, which kills many more people than usually these particular coronaviruses. So there's a lot of panic, there's a lot of fear. And in a few minutes, I also wanna even give the, some of the headlines of that have been coming in on all these different articles. There's no way I can read you the articles and hopefully you're gonna be doing the same thing for yourselves. Anyway, back to who you are and why this is similar to doing research with multiple charts about the coronavirus in China and transits and progressions. The point is, if we go back to my 
my thought process about when I'm on coast to coast in the second hour and different people are call, calling in. And a lot of the people are really concerned. They've got money problems, love problems, health problems, whatever it is. And they're thinking that I can kind of look at their chart for a minute or two minutes and give them a pearl of wisdom. Well, maybe I can do it a little bit, but that's not real astrology. It's so far from it. It would be going to your doctor, a primary care physician, or some specialist and just saying, hey, doc, you know, <laughs> these are my symptoms. What's happening? Well, they're going to have to do tests. They're going to have to check things out. They might have to have an x-ray, blood test, and on and on. And people feel very inconvenienced. Well, why can't you just tell me, you know, like, tell this is what I got. It doesn't work that way, and neither does astrology. So you have a natal chart, which is a dynamic of your roadmap, your spiritual, psychic, emotional roadmap, physical roadmap of, of what, how you can accomplish your higher destiny in this life. And then there are transits. There are the regular positions each day, each month, each year as you go through your life where the planets are moving in different speeds. And the astrologer will look at those transits and basically say, well, here's what you're going through. Jupiter is moving through this house and Venus is over here and the sun is doing this and they're making this kind of mathematical alignment and that's why you may be going through what you're going through. But the reality is a birth chart has a deep inner level. There are what we call dozens of midpoints, which is only recently studied, which are the middle points in the zodiac between any two pair of planets or like the sun and the moon, Pallas and Juno. Mercury and Saturn in the natal chart in a particular degree area and each midpoint has an opposite midpoint. So there's dozens of those. And then truly there are dozens of not just transits of sun, moon, planets, asteroids, Chiron. And if you're an astrologer who works with extra asteroids and extra um, Chiron-like planets, you've got also dozens of midpoints there. And also there are many progressed systems progressions are kind of deeper, slower unfoldment of your birth chart from whatever day, month, and year you were born. The astrologer goes back to that time period of that month or the month after, the month after that, during the first 90 days approximately after your birth, if you're working with what we call secondary progressions. And transits will happen every week, every month, literally every day and every year of your whole life. So the astrologer is going to be looking or if you do your own astrology at multiple levels to understand what you're going through. And even if you're saying, well, my key thing is romance, my key thing is money, my key thing is health, and the astrologer looks at you know the primary thing, that's still going to take a natal chart, transits, progressions, if you're going to do it right. By the way, we, for the last 20, 30 years, 30 years or more, we know of astro, what's called astrocartography or astrolocality. If you're not living in the same town or city that you were born in, if you've moved from one coast to another, moved from one time zone to another, you have not only your natal chart, you have a relocated chart that has all kinds of issues and powers. You're still the same sun sign, the same moon, the same zodiacal influences, but the house positions, what's rising, what's setting, what's above, what's below, can be very different from what you were born with. Then in American, this is part of mundane or earth astrology, each state of the union, when, when each state entered the union, that's a chart. And you're, if you're in America and you're living in one of the 50 states, or you're living in Puerto Rico or territory, there are charts for each of these locations. And then as I shared in the Kobe Bryant um, Life in Death 2 podcast, I, I put in the city of Los Angeles, which goes back to September 4th of 1781, the year that 
the American Revolution was one. And if you, some cities, we have accurate charts for when it was founded or when it was incorporated. That's one of the powerful charts where that date works out or where there is a valuable amount of information. Some cities, we don't know 100%. For Eugene, where we live, there's a founding date and then there's a city of Eugene incorporation date. And depending on your astrological views, you might use one or the other. Okay, so having said all that, now you understand that this is all complex. We can't just do, I can't just do a podcast and say, okay, let's look back at the, the new moon of December 26, 2019, and look at that chart alone, because that was the new moon closest to the outbreak of this coronavirus. That's going to that's gonna give us a lot. We'll look at that in a few minutes. But then what about the full moon? which was incredibly powerful. That was the time, January 10 and then January 12 and 13, just two to three weeks ago, when we had nine conjunctions of planetary bodies, the Sun, the Moon, Ceres, Saturn, and Pluto in Capricorn. Okay, and now pretty soon Jupiter is going to be joining that area. Mars is going to be joining that area not too long from now. So this concentration of energies that so many astrologers were looking at in December, and I wrote about this in an Astro Flash, I, I don't even remember which one, that's also in the Earth Aquarius News section in the more recent area in Jan in uh, December. I wrote an Astro Flash about, hey, here's what's in the cosmic calendar. As all of you know or should know, I've been doing the cosmic calendar of the cycles in the sky of every day for 38 plus years. We're celebrating 39 years of the cosmic calendar and I've touted it. I am not somebody who focuses a lot on um, on advertising. I've never liked advertising and marketing, but because of the need of people to really wake up to something like this, there are a lot of, there's a lot of fear going on that this could become what they call a pandemic. So without further ado, now that you know where I'm coming from, here right now on the, my computer screen, so you understand this, I've got the chart for China. I've got its secondary progress chart. So we'll explain that in a minute. I also have, which is not a chart that I'm, I'm printing now, what's called the new moon before birth for modern China, which goes to September 22nd, 1949. And I, one, one little point of reference here. I've said this before in these podcasts. I said it in the Kobe Bryant one and in several others. I even did a whole research of what was the new moon before birth for the United States, which is in June of 1776 before July 4th of 1776. And by doing that work, which I had never done until last year, I found all kinds of illuminating ideas. So also the other thing is with astrology, what's exciting is you could be in the field like, like I'm going to be celebrating 50 years in, in the next two to three years till the day I die every day and doing the cosmic calendar, I will be learning something new. There'll be another discovery. It never gets old. It's a fascinating kind of thing. And I think no matter where we are, whatever we're doing, whether you're in the field of medicine or law, or law or any, whatever job, whatever career, whatever hobbies that you have, the key thing is always sparking your mind, your ideas to kind of problem solve your life. And the big thing for me in, in astrology, whether it's doing personal readings for people or business readings or the mundane work, like with global hotspots, which we do the new moon and the full moon in that section, the Astro Flashes, the Earth Aquarius News, longer articles, the Cosmic Calendar of Daily Guidance, all of these different things together are an incredible project and a kind of group or planetary 
opportunity. All this used to be in print form in Welcome to Planet Earth with many different um, authors and fantastic astrologers in print form, and then things shifted to the online universe. The, the website now, Great Bear Enterprises, is fundamentally the fourth historically since 1995. And even the one in 1995 that my good friend Stephen created is still in existence because there's so many articles on there. I'll mention this another time that go way back to the, the Iran-Iraq war, uh, the 911 happenings and so on. In the transition from when Welcome to Planet Earth stopped publishing in the year 2000 and over the next several years thereafter, that was one website. It still exists. And then the website now, Great Bear Enterprises, is kind of the third generation since around 2007, 2008. So there's a lot of history. And on the website, there's all kinds of things, particularly on our first page. Now, so the, we'll get into the new moon before birth because that's not... Uh, available, but let me let me explain how this all happened. Um, as you all know, in the news media, whether you go online or you go to your local sources or national sources or international sources for news, the coronavirus, a new one of these viruses, which is related to SARS, which has a lot to do with respiratory issues. It's not just having a cold or a cough or the regular flu. This originated in some kind of wildlife. Um, store in Wuhan, China, which is a city of normally about 11 million people. Now, that's just the beginning of this. It goes back to somewhere between the winter solstice around December 20th and 21st, particularly Christmas, where there was a new moon, which actually in the Far East was December 26th. So we're going to look at that chart in a second here. Why don't we do that? Um, let me give, this is how it all started, at least from my work. What happened was, is that I had already written, I just wrote a global hotspot about the Aquarius Leo full moon. I just wrote that. And as you're listening to this podcast, hopefully in the next several days, I'm doing this again on February 5th. This podcast will be out probably either February 6th or the 7th. We're approaching the full moon, this very powerful full moon of the sun in Aquarius and the moon in Leo. And so that particular chart is also being given out. With, with one of these charts. That's what's going to happen. But before we get to that, what happened was is that I decided to relocate the new moon chart for December 25, 26 of 2019. In global hotspots, I always do Washington, D.C. because that's the capital of our country. But the truth is that the full moon or the new moon is calculated for the city, the capital city of the nation in which it's happening. But if we know the actual, in this place, Wuhan, China, 11 million people and the surrounding provinces, we can do the actual full moon or new moon for that locality and understand more of why is this happening there? Why is all this originating there? So that my first thought was, okay, new moons and full moons are powerful. That's why I do Global Hotspot, which is a, a astral locality powerhouse where we do a world map we do the chart for the united states for that new moon or full moon and i give my analysis and if you go to the global hotspot area you'll see several dozen of these things that go back a couple years and i do it pretty much every two weeks at a new moon or a full moon or eclipse or if there is something special going on like i did a whole thing on president trump and how his planetary lines from his birth chart are very powerful and in my my view very disturbing in the Persian Gulf, Middle East area, as well as in the area around North Korea, China, Japan, and so on, plus other areas for him as well. 
So Global Hotspots has all kinds of useful information. But I had started writing about the coronavirus, not just in the in the Global Hotspot I just have done, but in the previous one I did, which goes back to January 24th, which is uh, right now just a, about a week and a half ago. That was the Chinese New Year, what they often call the Lunar New Year. It's really the Chinese New Year occurs at the new moon that's in Aquarius, in the uh, whether it's late January, or early February, people call it the, China, the, the Lunar New Year because they're focusing on the moon, the power of the moon. But it's when the moon and the sun are together. It's really a new moon in Aquarius, which is what they're celebrating. So it's kind of a misnomer to say, oh, they're celebrating in China and around the world, which is their biggest holiday, by the way. And this is why the cat is out of the bag as far as the danger of what is happening in Wuhan, where they started to quarantine the city and shut it down. But half of the population, supposedly, was already away from that area. I mean, Wuhan, China, in terms of its local area, is bigger in population than New York City. Now, if we're comparing bigger metropolitan areas, New York City with 20 million people in the surrounding areas is a big area. But even this area of Wuhan, China, again, Apparently, all of this kind of stuff, all these dangerous SARS, Ebola, a lot of people feel, oh, the conspiracy of scientists and geneticists and people are experimenting and maybe there's some kind of uh, desire to infect people. I mean, this is like conspiratorial stuff. On the other hand, we there are all these illnesses or viruses that are coming out of the animal kingdom, whether it's coming from bats or it's coming from birds. Um, when they talk about bird flu or, again, SARS or MERS or these different kind of things. And often what happens is due to not using proper um, health concerns, it often comes out of a market where animals are being killed or slaughtered. Somebody isn't doing things correctly, and then somebody picks up a virus directly from an animal, let's say. In this situation, the concern is, oh, wow, the you know somebody got a virus because they were close to an animal and there was impurities and they didn't you know, sterilize things or whatever. The problem becomes when it becomes human to human transference. And with the story with all of this is if the virus starts mutating and the more of these viruses that keep happening over a period of time, this is something that most people don't realize. If people hear, oh my God, there's this terrible thing and it could kill people and thousands of people. Apparently the SARS virus eventually petered out because people just stopped getting it, but it affected worldwide about 8,000 people. This is back in 2002, 2003, and about 800 died, which is a, a rate of 10% if we can use those statistics to any uh, validity. The problem with this particular virus at this moment is its infection rate appears to be faster and stronger, even though it may take a week or two weeks be before people no its symptoms, but it but its lethal nature is not as substantial as some of the other ones, at least at the moment, unless there's a mutation and things start changing. Well, CNN had an article, and this is not fake news. It was a very good article, and I've got dozens of them from all kinds of organizations, including Reuters, the BBC, and medical journals, and so on, where every day or every couple hours, okay, this is how many people have been infected. This is the how many people have died. We know that someone passed away in the Philippines recently. There was another country, I think it was Hong Kong, 
where someone passed away. Originally, the first case in America came in Washington state, and we're not far away from that in Oregon. Now, apparently, it's in 11 different states. We also sent a flight, the government sent a flight to get out significant people, Americans or employees in our uh, embassy or different kind of people working there. And they flew 200 some of these people, I believe, into California. And now they're trying to quarantine these people and make sure they don't infect people. So the whole thing is very confusing. And we also have a situation just like with SARS from 17, 18 years ago, where the country of origin here, China, is not your like, hey, freedom and information, and let's get a lot of a lot of uh, ideas out. If you remember Chernobyl, this is when Gorbachev was president uh, it, with with the Soviet Union before its fall. What happened was is that it wasn't until a couple couple of days after that radioactivity levels in Scandinavia were going off off the Richter scale, so to speak. And that they had the Soviets needed to admit, oh yeah, guess what? We had this terrible, one of the worst nuclear disasters. They tried to keep it a secret. Same thing has been happening in China and happened before. The difference now is when SARS happened 17, 18 years ago, China had not built up its its roads, its its ability for people to move around, and with all these changes of information in the information age and iPhones and technology. They did what could have been a disastrous thing because before they knew in China how lethal this could be and how dangerous and how many people get affected, the, the Chinese New Year was happening. And there was one particular doctor in the CNN article who's an ophthalmologist who was shouting from the rooftops back around December 30th, December 31. That's why he is a good example. You could look up, uh, I, I downloaded it a couple of days ago. It's not a fake story. He himself, the ophthalmologist, came down with the virus and is being treated for it. But he tried to actually bring to the attention of the authorities in Wuhan, that area, the dangers. And then they chastised him and they were going to actually charge him with a crime because he was trying to share information about all this. You may have also heard that in 10 days they built a hospital in the Wuhan area, which shows how alarmed they are. And it was only about a week ago that President Xi sort of chimed in from Beijing saying, oh, we're going to put a lot of money into Chinese markets. He came out with a statement saying America shouldn't be panicking the world, you know, and these other countries shouldn't be closing their doors to foreign nationals and so on. But other nations have to protect themselves. This is part of the Palace Athena energy. And the United States is still in a cycle of our secondary progress sun, and secondary progress Pallas Athena being in a conjunction in Pisces. So from Pallas Athena representing knowledge and problem solving and strategizing, we should be helping the Chinese. And as I just wrote in the Global Hotspot, one of the problems we have with this Aquarius Leo full moon is the planet Neptune is directly below in Atlanta, Georgia. That's one of the advantages in reading the Global Hotspots. You get to see cities in America that are either unfavorable or favorable around the world as well. Like the Beijing, uh, the chart for Beijing for this full moon of Aquarius Leo, Saturn and Pluto are setting. Those are not easy energies and it shows why the capital of China is under great duress and President, President Xi again is under great duress. He wants help from America and England and Canada and all kinds of sophisticated, uh, the World Health Organization, because if they're going to solve this, meaning they, it's not just the Chinese, it's World Health Organizations and so on.
But when I see a full moon where Neptune, which can represent confusion and chaos, is directly under the Earth going through Atlanta, and that's where our Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is located, you start worrying. In fact, in uh, that, that show, um, The Walking Dead, in the first year, a lot of you have seen that, there is a whole thing related to Atlanta. In fact, the whole thing was filmed in Georgia for many years for, for that entire show. And there's a whole uh, focus on the, this group, Rick Grimes and all these different people going into Atlanta and then going to the center, Centers for Disease Control. So that is kind of a scary kind of a thing to realize that a lot of this Walking Dead kind of stuff actually connected to Atlanta. This is where the CDC is located. And now we're at a full moon astrologically where to me there's potential confusion running right through Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so let's let's deal with these two charts. The Capricorn New Moon of 2019, which is on the website, has a situation. This is for Wuhan, China. Okay, that was a new moon at four plus degrees of Capricorn, which by the way, the the new moon area of Sun, Moon, and Jupiter from December 26, 2019, directly opposite Uranus in the China birth chart from October 1, 1949, which is also in here. At That chart is calculated for 3.15 p.m. in Beijing, China. This is the time when Mao had won the revolution against Chiang Kai-shek. I had studied a lot of Chinese history when I was in college and afterwards. We know out of China they have a rich history of of astrology. I mean, there's Chinese astrology. People know about the different, we're now in the year of the rat, the different kind, the boar, the rat, the tiger, the horse, all, you know, all, the rooster, all the different uh, years. They're, they have a system that's often based on 12 years, but there's also earth, um, excuse me, fire, earth, air, water, and metal. They have not just four elements, they have five, and there's other levels of Chinese astrology. But aside from Chinese astrology, astrology itself, Western type astrology, I mean, doing the sun, the moon, the planets, that's in existence. And apparently um, this chart was first given out in Charles Carter's book on political astrology. He was a great British astrologer uh, in the 20th century. And that's when I first saw it. Now it's in the um, Nick Campion book of the the horoscope uh the, I forget the exact title. I have I don't have it right in front of me, but Nick Campion's great compendium of planetary charts of nations and in some cases cities and other major events. And so the October 1, 1949 chart for China, 3.15 p.m. is very powerful. It's being used, it's been used for decades and it has a great reliability. So you'll see that chart. So the one of the first alerts for me when I saw the new moon of December 26, 2019, is this congregation of Capricorn influences. We'll get back to that in a moment. But what I can tell you is that in the specific chart for Wuhan, China, the biggest alarm for me when I printed out the chart was, oh my gosh, Mars in Scorpio is very close to house number eight, the cusp or the beginning of house number eight. You'll see that in that chart. Again, it's the Wuhan, China, Capricorn new moon, December 26, 2019, looking at the new moon as if it happened in Wuhan, which it did. I mean, it happens everywhere. This is the chart for what it looked like. The reason that Mars 
in Scorpio, the eighth sign, and on the cusp of the eighth house is so significant as the eighth house traditionally relates to death, to death and rebirth, to reincarnation, to secrets and mysteries. So not we have a kind of archetypal chart where Scorpio, the sign Scorpio is on the cusp or the beginning of that house. Now, whether you use, there are different house systems or mathematical systems, whether you use what's called the Placidus house system or the Coke house system or some other major house system, the point is the rising sign in Wuhan is 24 plus of Aries. That means that Mars is ruling this chart. Mars, which has a lot to do with the bloodstream in medical astrology. It has a lot to do with inflammatory conditions. And it has a lot to do with panicky situations. It's a planet of warfare when it's negative, which can also mean ratcheting up an illness or disease. That instead of it being, oh, hey, there's another coronavirus and like ho-hum, hopefully it'll peter out. What if it doesn't? What if it becomes like 102 years ago with the Spanish influenza? What if it's not like SARS or MERS and it's so, they can't find a cure for it? As we know, with antibiotics and other kinds of things, viruses and these different bugs, quote unquote, that are causing all these illnesses, they're getting stronger and stronger, whereas the antibiotics and the treatments are getting weaker and weaker because we take too much of them. And so our bodies, we get used to all this and then they're, they're not as effective. The thing about the chart, though, uh, we're going to get into this in a moment. This is pretty amazing what happens with this chart and scary. The, the faraway planet Eris, which was cited, I guess it's around 2005 now. It was a couple of years after we, we found Sedna. Eris is now being incorporated as a major planet, but it's very far away and it moves very slowly. Well, guess what? It's exactly rising in the chart within one degree of this new moon from December 26, 2019. So again, the takeaways here, we got Mars, on the eighth cusp in Scorpio, that's dangerous. We've got it ruling the chart and being what we call 150 degrees and in conjunct, um, which is which is a very challenging kind of alignment to the actual rising degree in Wuhan at that point. And the other thing is that the new moon, sun, moon, and Jupiter all cluster together four to five degrees, as we'll see in a moment, exactly opposite the planet Uranus in the chart for China from October 1, 1949. And that planet Uranus is not far from house number six, the beginning of the sixth house in the China chart. And the sixth house in any chart is the traditional house related to Virgo archetypally, but it relates to health or illness or both. Now, fast forward the new moon chart of December 26, 2019, which you can now see on, on our website. And you can see the Mars on the eighth cusp in Scorpio making 150 degrees to the rising. You don't, um, let's see, in the chart, you should see Eris on there in the reloc in that relocated chart. It would look like ERI. That would stand for this faraway planet Eris, which is often, I'm not going to get into the whole mythology, but it is not considered an easy planetary energy. It is a goddess energy and I'm sure has many wonderful qualities. But nevertheless, because it moves very slowly, we don't know a whole lot about it and some of its mythology, that is of concern. So then the full moon for any time period is the culmination, the apotheosis, um, the crescendo of what was released on Earth and to humanity at the previous new moon. So the Capricorn full moon of January 10 of 2020 
calculated for Wuhan, China. Why is it significant? And when I when I printed it out, I thought, oh my goodness, this is disturbing. The because the degree rising in this chart is 25 Scorpio, which means that the previous eighth house from the new moon and the Mars position is exactly on the rising point of the full moon of January 10th, which was the time period that all these Capricornian clusters were, were occurring of Sun, Moon, Ceres, Saturn, Pluto, all clustering together. And furthermore, what I realized was two days after January 10, we had the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And a lot of people uh, contacted me because Sometimes on coast to coast, they will have other astrologers. They don't necessarily focus on earth astrology as I do or mundane astrology. And somebody wrote to me, actually called me and said, hey, there was an astrologer on coast to coast and they didn't really focus a lot on Saturn and Pluto. Well, what's important to note here, and, and again, if you go to the global hotspot that I just wrote about the Aquarius Leo full moon that's coming up February 8th and 9th, you'll see that... Um, I mentioned in there the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which took place two days after the Capricorn full moon of January 10th that happened January 12th. That conjunction at 22 plus a Capricorn, if we now look at China's chart, is exactly on Jupiter in the 12th house of China's chart. Now remember, China's chart is a valid chart. It's not like, hey, we don't know. The time has been given out for decades after October 1, 1949 information came out hey they it's this is when they began you know their their modern china again their countries reincarnate okay so like we're actually america is said to relate to ancient rome in many ways and or ancient egypt also if we go back further and then things like to the idea of atlantis and we don't know what the charts were for atlantis and i've shared before edgar casey in his slim but amazing volume edgar casey and atlantis talks about Atlantean civilizations being destroyed three times that a million BC there were a whole bunch of things that happened a million BC that that Atlantis existed according to his um, be, being in a trance state then there was like a hundred thousand BC and then around 10,000 BC you'll see that in that book now did he did he uncork something did he figure something out it's his whole uh, Edgar Casey's uh, as I mentioned before his wonderful book Edgar Casey on Jesus uh, Edgar Casey's story on Jesus, and I've mentioned that, is an extraordinary amount of information. But it's not just on Jesus. It's about astrology. It's about spirituality. It's about many different lifetimes. It's about the history of the Bible in a different way, about who Jesus was in the Essenes, about other things he may have done. There's actually an amazing kind of thing about what he looked like, what, what Jesus looked like. Um, and that has a whole other history where there was an artist who actually, I still have this picture in the house here where I live somewhere about, there's, a, there's actually a Roman centurion who described to the emperor or somebody in, um, in Rome, what did this person look like um, who was being uh, hounded um, by the Roman authorities? What does he look like? And there's a report that goes back 2000 years. It's a pretty amazing thing. And somebody did an extraordinary uh, portrait of what Jesus may have looked at, looked like based on this description. Anyway, so what happened was, is that I would have just put these two charts, the new moon of December 26th, 
with Mars on the eighth house cusp in Scorpio, 150 degrees to the horizon in Wuhan, where there's this faraway planet, Eris, which is not all that easy, all these clusterings of Capricorn planets, as we, as if you compare it to the China birth chart, right on Uranus in the China chart. In fact, tonight, as I'm doing this, the moon is exactly on the Uranus in China. Uranus is a planet of revelation. It's a planet of intuition, of lightning-like realizations, of the higher mind when it's functioning well, of seeing the shape of things to come. But unfortunately, because of other things, it's a planet of radical change, of topsy-turvy conditions, of shocks and surprises, and unsettling types of energy. It can go one way or the other. And what's happening is that there's a frantic movement among medical authorities to make this not a shocking, unsettling pandemic that could get out of control. So this, the same energies that are hitting like tonight, moon on Uranus uh, of, in China's chart that happens once a month for an hour, I'm doing this particular podcast. The new moon of De December 26th, the sun and moon exactly opposite that Uranus. Then the full moon of January 10th, we see the situation where in Wuhan, China's 25 Scorpios rising. That triggers the previous Mars from two weeks before when Mars was the eighth house. Now we're getting, we keep getting alarming reports that the Chinese are not talking about, um, you know, the truth. They're not, they don't want to, to get everybody upset about everything. So they've been concealing a lot. Now, one of the pictures that came out of this incredible hospital that they built in like 10 days, the beds are like, a foot apart from each other. There are hundreds of beds and it looks like a kind of stadium, like an indoor stadium where you'd play basketball or, you know, some kind of sports arena. How is that going to work? And all the people are there with their masks. And again, with half the population of Wuhan having left for the Chinese New Year, what they call the Lunar New Year, where are they able to come back? The roads and transportation, they shut down a lot of these things because they didn't want this to get out of hand. Now we get reports that on cruise ships, just the most recent one in the last 24 hours, 10 people, they may have been, there may be America on a cruise ship near Japan have come down with this. Well, there was another report of a few days ago. I don't know if this was 100% true, but it seemed like it was. It was reported in many places that there were 3,000 people on a cruise ship in Italy and somebody there was showing symptoms. And because we don't know the incubation period, which could be at least two weeks, who are going to be the people who are putting them into quarantine? How capable are these people? And what kind of information are we going to get out of this? This is why at some point, I hope I don't have to keep redoing this, but there's going to be other new moons. There are going to be other cycles. In fact, I'll share this at the close of this podcast about some of the new moons and full moons coming up in the near future. Uh, one researcher just recently reported, it's one of the downloaded stories, they're hoping, again, quote unquote, fingers crossed, that based on research and vaccines and from SARS and MERS and other things with coronavirus, they might be able to come up with something in a couple of months that would be able to help people to slow down the problems or help them deal with things. But they're, you know, the odds that they're going to be able to come up now with a cure, I mean, this is like unrealistic that suddenly somebody's going to say, aha, you know, just like Louis Pasteur, pasteurization, um, you know, with milk or something, or the polio vaccine. This isn't the same kind of thing. And again, because of the way this originated and its connection to whether it's bats or snakes and wildlife and fowl and seafood and so on, 
there is a lot of danger here. And I don't want to exacerbate it, but I'm trying to articulate why this is so involved. Now, let me give another example of a chart. We have the China secondary progress chart, which is actually for December 10 of 1949. So now you can see how progressions work. China, modern China was born October 1, 1949. By the way, you know who was also born October 1, but of 1924? Jimmy Carter. President Carter opened the door after Nixon opened the door previously as president, where Nixon met Mao, he met Chu and Lai, he and Kissinger, Henry Kissinger went over to China. And regardless of what we think about Richard Nixon with, with the crookedness and all the different things with Watergate, he did a lot of amazing things, just like Reagan did things that we didn't anticipate. In the beginning with Reagan, it was like the Soviet Union is the evil empire. Then eventually Gorbachev has become Gorbachev becomes president. They start working on um, or you know, treaties with nuclear arms. Pope John Paul II comes in there. And regardless of what anybody thinks about popes and what they do, John Paul II was an extraordinary person. We now know in the 1980s, when Reagan was president, it was really a three-way thing of Reagan, Gorbachev, and Pope John Paul II, and the whole solidarity movement. So this is what I'm saying. There are charts and charts and charts and connections and um, compatibility kinds of things that one has to look at over and over. But Jimmy Carter was born October 1 of 1924, 25 years to the day before China was born. So they have the same sun energy in Libra. It's very interesting that they have that because then it was under uh, President Carter that China entered, uh, became the, the fifth member of the Security Council and that the door to, uh, in the United Nations. So Carter sort of completed the work that, Na uh, that Nixon had originated in going over to China and meeting Chu Enlai and Mao and so on with Henry Kissinger. So all of these things are part of history. So China, again, uh, modern China coming out of the communist um, revolution there, October 1, 1949. Again, when you study Chinese history, there was the, the cultural revolution of the 1960s, the time when Uranus and Pluto were in a conjunction, which happens very rarely, like every hundred plus years. In America, we had the student revolutions that started in Berkeley in 1964 and then continued into the 1967-68 period. The student revolutions of that time, the, the death of Martin Luther King by assassination and Robert Kennedy within two months of each other and opening the door for Nixon to actually become president to do the things that he did and then the Watergate scandal and so on. So China has this amazing history and Again, in the world now, we, we, we see it as this vast economic power and as a rival to the United States, particularly in the Far East, and now we have this crisis. So the secondary progress chart, progressions, there are different kinds of progressions. They're, usually there's slow, gradual unfoldment of what was in the original birth chart. So each one of you listening, you have a secondary progress birth chart. If you were born October 1 of 1949, then your progress chart your secondary progress chart would be for December 10 of 1949. Because since 1949, we have 70, 70 years, okay? And each of those years is a day in what's called secondary progressed analysis. It's what's called the day for year. And it works with great exactitude. I won't explain all the reasons, but it is a bona fide system. There are other progress systems based on what are called solar arc and other kinds of progress systems. But many astrologers and my main teachers use secondary progressions. 
So if you add, for instance, uh, the days between October 1, 1949, when China comes into being, and you go to the secondary progress chart calculated for December 10, 1949, you'll notice that there is 70 days in, in those cycles. And this year, China, um, or just a couple months ago, celebrated 70 years of being a nation. And so to understand its progressions, we go 70 days after the birth of modern China, where each day equals a year of life. Now, why am I bringing this up? It's because I looked at this chart and I said, oh, here's another extraordinary situation. Why? Venus, by progression, is at three plus of Aquarius. Well, that's the new moon. That's the most recent new moon of the, the Chinese New Year, the event that took place on January 24th. Okay, that particular chart, which I do not, I do not think we're running, um, that chart the sun and moon are at four plus of Aquarius. That was on January 24th. Again, the people in Wuhan left a week or so before that, half the population and the whole province around there where other towns are now in quarantine, people were all roaming around. Remember, China is 1.4 billion people. So when we think, oh, they, if you start hearing reports, oh, they've got it under control, this and that. No, they don't. Now, we don't want to be so alarmist that everything coming out of there is a lie. On the other hand, it's kind of like what just happened here in a microcosm with the with uh, the Iowa caucuses, because they the information is they were supposed to be doing it on a, on an app. And then the whole thing fell apart. It's not accurate. And we don't even know what's happening. And this does not even demand or require Russian interference or Ukraine interference or North Korean interference into our election. We did it to ourselves. And now it turns out that in the caucuses in Nevada, 24 hours after this debacle in Iowa, having to do with not knowing who won and the precincts, they've already said, hey, we're not going to use the app. We're just going to basically do our precinct things and not get so sophisticated. So sometimes, whether it's apps or it's it's the, the profusion of different newspapers and professional sources like BBC, Reuters, USA Today, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and on and on and on, Russia Today, all these different places. Now, I happen to get something through Smart News, which goes left, right, and center, and you know the most progressive and the most conservative. I'm getting all the feeds from different areas, and I'm able to get all these downloads and then compare them to one another. And if there's, they're all basically validating one another, how many are like the fears that the Chinese are not still reporting what's happening, or they're desperate to get America and Canada and the UK and France and all the researchers all over the world to get the medical advice. This, on, on another level, aside from the fear and panic, this is the kind of thing, if you have a group and a kind of global connection to solve one of these things, you can do wonders. So I get chills when I just said that, because that's part of what's happening here. I believe that we do have a spiritual hierarchy we, that I've always believed since being a child. There are angels. I think of Native American culture. I think of Taoism. I think of Buddhism. I think of all the different world religions and philosophies of life. Anyone who thinks, like, for instance, we're all alarmed. Oh, my God, there are earthquakes in California. Or this could be a volcano. You know when we have to start worrying? When there are no more earthquakes. When, when earthquakes start becoming much less frequent. When volcanic eruptions become much less frequent. That's when we have to start worrying. That something is happening inside the Earth. We live on a, in, a, in a dangerous universe and a powerful universe. As I shared before, my 
The only magazine subscription I have is to astronomy, and I've had it for many years. And you can learn so much about supernovas and black holes and how there's a, a meeting between cosmology and, and metaphysics. And through astronomy and learning about planets and, and star systems and constellations, meteor, meteors, asteroids, all these different things, this is what keeps me focused to be able to look at all this. And by the way, the astrology in the past and still some astrologers will incorporate stars. And I've done this myself, ran several magazines, one in particular, um, having to do with what I call celestial seasonings, the, the power of different stars on certain longitude and latitude areas around the planet. And the whole cover had the earth in terms of the different continents and key cities and what stars are overhead in those localities. And, and you can do that. And this is part, um, it's at least a part of mundane and world astrology. So in the progress chart, the concern I have is that Venus, which is normally a positive energy, but does connect a lot to society, to sharing of friends and people in a kind and positive way, the progress Venus for the first time ever is where? On the moon position exactly in the China birth chart, which is three plus Aquarius. And again, the new moon that just happened at the Chinese Lunar New Year was at four plus Aquarius on that same moon, which happens to be rising in that chart. So when I saw the progressed Venus, finally, after all of these years, right on that moon, and the moon in, in, in mundane astrology, even though we're looking at the chart for China, the moon represents mass consciousness or mass influence, and also things that could get out of hand with a virus affecting large numbers of people. So normally I would look at Venus on top of moon in a once in a kind of lifetime progressed energy to a natal chart as favorable. In this case, not so much. The other thing is that in the progressive chart um, for China, Uranus has moved backwards to three plus of Cancer so that Venus and Uranus within two minutes of arc in the uh, secondary progress chart of China, two minutes of arc, that's one thirtieth of one degree, are in an in conjunct of 150 degrees. Now, so that's also an alarming thing. The 150 degree aspect in general, while some people think of it as favorable, depending on their outlook on astrology, is an adjustment type aspect. 150 degrees is midway between 120, which is a trine, usually considered favorable or flowing or harmonious, not always, but in terms of its archetypal energy, halfway between a trine and an opposition of 180 degrees. And when planets are opposed or in polarity, there's a tension. Every full moon, every lunar, total lunar eclipse is a potential illumination or it's a lunacy. We, in that example, we have pre the president of the United States who's born at a total lunar eclipse. So for the people who support him, they see him almost like a second coming. Wow, he's doing all these great things. He's, he's, he's cleaning the swamp. He's a new guy. He's going to get the rascals out of power in Washington. And to the other enormous number of people, undoubtedly more of the majority, they see him as somebody who's affected by lunacy. And I'm going to be sharing more about this because not everybody is born in a total lunar eclipse, and he is. And I've reported this before, June 14, 1946. Also in the China chart, you will see the Uranus position at four plus of Cancer when China was born 
is 150 degrees to Chiron in Sagittarius, which is the most elevated influence along with Venus. Chiron in that chart is five plus of Sagittarius. They are in an inconjunct of 150 degrees within about a half a degree. So that's where a lot of the illnesses come from with these coronaviruses. Okay, not or some of them, bird flu, um, SARS and so on. So part of the reason that that may be happening is that in the China chart, Uranus and Chiron are matched up by 150 degrees, which is not an easy kind of situation. There are many other things you know, to mention here um, with all these different charts. For example, in, the, in this full moon chart, oh, by the way, one other thing about the Aquarius new moon of January 24th, which is not on, I'm not giving out. Around that time was when President Xi came out and said, oh, we're pumping in $100 billion or whatever the number is to the Chinese markets to stabilize everything. I don't know if you remember this, but back in, in uh, 2001, after September the September 11th events, one of the things that President uh, George W. Bush said, which got a lot of flack from particularly the liberal progressive area and for good reason and from everybody was he came out and said, hey, you know, act normal, like we'll handle this. Don't worry about it. Just go buy things, go to the mall, you know, make <laughs> this was like, OK. And then we we understand now with with some of these things that just happened with President Trump, with with the killing or the assassination of Qasim Soleimani, which was actually planned earlier. It seemed like, oh, we found the guy at the airport and we used the drone and we killed him. He was a mass murderer and it's great that he's gone. As I've said before, imagine if Saddam Hussein had targeted Colin Powell back in 1990 during the first Gulf War. We would have obliterated him because he had targeted one of our persons. Now, we may think of Soleimani and all of these people there. They're terrorists and it's all terrible. As I reported in several of those particular podcasts about President Trump and Qasim Soleimani and Osama bin Laden, we created modern Iran. We created um, the disaster there. We're the people through our central intelligence agency that overthrew their duly elected prime minister, Mossadegh, in 1953. We are the people who installed the Shah of Iran with his secret police who were there for 26 years. So when that country changed and became a revolutionary state, our hands were already dirty to an extreme degree because we have done this around the world. Now, in fairness, we've done it because the Soviets were doing it. Other countries were installing their puppet regime, regimes. This was before World War II, during World War II, after World War II. So our government, particularly in 1947 under Truman with the National Security Act, which created in a sense, we used to have a Department of War. It suddenly became the Department of Defense. No longer war, but we're we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars a year arming the world. And American imperialism, colonialism is nothing new. That's the source of all this. So on the State of the Union last night, when you get all the conservatives or Republicans standing up and applauding how we're going to teach the people in Iran a lesson that they'll never forget, don't mess with the United States, the whole kind of John Wayne approach, you need to see through all of that. That's not the truth. That's not the origin of all of these crises around the planet. In fact, President Trump himself, when he was in his earlier incarnation, being more of a Democrat, he's never been a Republican, he's never been conservative, and he's basically taken over that whole party 
I'm going to get off my soapbox in a minute here. But the truth is, is like his whole uh, approach for decades was we need to not be the world's policemen. In fact, one of the things he was running on was we need to bring our troops home. We don't want to keep having these wars. But because he's born in a total lunar eclipse, which can be very schizophrenic to have sun and opposite moon, particularly if it's Gemini and Sagittarius, he's constantly pulled and pushed backwards and forwards by different political kinds of things. And therefore, it's kind of the center doesn't hold in his life. As William but from a William Butler Yeats poem, the center doesn't hold. And so this is why people are saying, well, when is he going to really be presidential? And why is he do all, doing all these things and saying the opposite or saying something? And then it turns out that what he's saying isn't true. Okay, so we have the lineup of the new moon of December 26th in Capricorn, the full moon of January 10th, which um, was in Capricorn in the sign of cancer. And that's all related to the outbreak of all of this in Wuhan, China. The, the activities of both the new moon of December 26th of 2019 and the full moon of January 10th are hitting the China chart in the Uranus position by opposition. And then Jupiter in the 12th house, by the way, the 12th house in China's chart represents hospitals, among other things. And the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that was forming on January 10th and became exact on January 12th, which is only three weeks ago, was exactly on that Jupiter. And Jupiter can be positive, but it doesn't have to be. Jupiter is the planet of bigness. We always hear President Trump, who's born at a Jupiter station, always saying, winning, big, this is going to be the most enormous thing. So Jupiter is the largest planet with all of its dozens of moons. Jupiter and Saturn are the two largest planets. Saturn, I think, maybe still has more moons than Jupiter, but they're both enormous planets, and they have a lot to do with the enormity of life things that are weighty, things that are profound. So there it is in the China chart. The, the last Saturn-Pluto conjunction was in November of 19... I had it listed here, 1970... I forget now, I'm going to say the wrong year, and I don't want to say it. And it happened 30, 30 plus years ago. And 1982, November around November 8th of 1982. Yeah, th about 38 years ago, was in late Libra, okay, in that chart. And by the way... That's important because that Saturn-Pluto conjunction, if you look at, again, the Chinese progressed chart, secondary progression, Pallas Athena, which looks like a diamond with a cross under it in the sixth house of that chart, which represents health or illness, is at the previous Saturn-Pluto conjunction point from November of 1982, which is 37 to 38 years ago. So we, we see that Pallas Athena, by the way, in the China chart, again, I was telling you that according to Eleanor Bach, and this is definitely true, Pallas Athena has to do with the immune system as well as intelligence and problem solving and strategizing and genius. And in the chart for China, where is Pallas Athena? It's in the eighth house area of that chart. And the sun is closest to Pallas on one side in Virgo and Mercury on the other side. So it's very interesting to see Pallas Athena being so prominent in the, in the China birth chart and in the new moon before birth, which represents a kind of origin of the country of China as a whole. Just so you know, that chart is not included, or um, I'm not sure if it is included or not. I don't remember, but it happened. I don't believe I'm including it. No, it's not included uh, at some future time. If I do a part two to this, maybe I'll include it. The sun and moon 
were together near that palace on September 22nd, 1949, was the new moon before modern China came into existence on October 1. And the, the sun and moon were 29 plus a Virgo, which is just two degrees away from the palace Athena position uh, in that chart. And that shows the prominence of palace Athena, both in terms of the, the Chinese intelligence, their ingenious going back thousands of years. So it's, it, it's, it's not uh, surprising that it's a country that has made enormous progress, even though there's a lot of sinister things that have happened from a political and social standpoint of having 1.4 billion people. Um, nevertheless, um, Palace Athena, very strong in the China secondary progress chart at 27 plus Libra in the sixth house of that chart. There are other uh, contact points. Uh, the moon and Pluto are together in the China progress chart in Leo, and that only happens, um, in other words, if you take the progress moon out of the China chart from December 10, 1949, and put it into the natal chart, it hits the Mars-Pluto conjunction in China's chart in the seventh house. That's dangerous in and of itself because, again, Pluto can represent the underworld and things that are kind of sinister or dark and mysterious about what the Chinese government is telling us with statistics. So, And then the moon having just passed the Mars position in that chart and approaching also the progressed Pluto sort of brings together the whole concern about blood problems. In medical astrology, Mars is the bloodstream. It's blood circulation, it's blood itself. This also has a lot to do with the whole issue of Christianity on a more esoteric level. And in what's called the seven rays, uh, Mars and Neptune are very connected. They're both connected to the sixth ray of devotion and idealism. And this is also where we get fanaticism that comes in. So the progressed moon, having just crossed the natal Mars, um, being right on the, the natal Pluto and the progressed Pluto of China's chart, that's dangerous. By the way, having mentioned Neptune, China has a triple conjunction of Mercury, Neptune, and Ceres in Libra, which is exactly our Saturn. The other thing that I want to bring up, because I've already gone on a really long time here, and I don't want, this is probably going to be one of the longer readings. I mentioned that in the progressed chart for China, Venus is at three plus Aquarius now on the moon of China. This could have a lot to do with panic and through social problems of them. Unfortunately, sending it where half the population of, of Wuhan had left for the Chinese New Year's like this is like the perfect storm of negativity of the most um, travel, the biggest travel day for China and people connected to China of any year. This is all originating from the wild uh, fowl or the wild seafood market, you know, where one person picks something up and then potentially affects somebody else. And then we have this potential pandemic. Notice that in the China birth chart, Venus is at 19 plus a Scorpio, 1927, 19 degrees, 27 minutes. And the, the full moon that's about to happen on February 8th and 9th is at 20 Aquarius sun and 20 Leo moon, which means Another Venusian energy, the, the, the full moon that's happening this coming weekend is squaring, making a right angle to Venus's position in China's natal chart. And that is not something that's comforting either. So the progressed Venus for China, three plus Aquarius, the natal Venus for China, 19 plus square, uh, Scorpio, the, we have this coming full moon, which again is, is a powerhouse. And by the way, in the global hotspots that I just wrote about, Venus and Chiron are in a conjunction. 
in the, the chart that's coming up for February 8th and 9th for the whole planet. And Chiron has to do with the wounded healer archetype and twilight zones of strange consciousness and all kinds of uh, woundedness physically and emotionally and, and mentally and spiritually. And the fact that Venus and Chiron are there might sound like, hey, great, Venus is with Chiron. But guess what? Venus does rule things that are social, where things can easily get out of hand because people are not taking enough precautions. The other thing is the United States Vesta, which I did two whole podcasts on, and which is returning to its position at 19 plus of Taurus. By the way, I've all the things I've done on Nancy Pelosi, she is very much a Vesta archetype, particularly of sisterhood, which is one of the connections about Vesta rules sisterhood, but it also rules safety and security. And as I just reported in the Global Hotspot on Aquarius, uh, Leo Full Moon, where Vesta is currently in that chart at 17 plus of Taurus, but the it's returning for the third time in a couple of weeks to its natal position for America, which is 19 plus of Taurus. So the, the United States Vesta, it rules sisterhoods, it rules home and hearth. It has a lot to do with um, the concept of embassies and diplomats and diplomacy. There are many other things, the eternal flame, which we have, for instance, at Arlington National Cemetery, the cemetery for President Kennedy, connected to Vesta and Vesta archetypes secret organizations like the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, uh, Mossad, and so on, MI6. Secret organizations, esoteric and occult organizations are connected a lot to Vesta. I did two podcasts about a Vesta story that I wrote, which connects, up, unfortunately, the shadow side of Vesta to the Nazism of Hitler and um, that whole time period of the Third Reich. So you can listen to those podcasts, and that's part of the shadow side of Vesta, but there's a positive side of its archetypes. Nevertheless, the U.S. Vesta is opposite the Venus and Scorpio for China. There are many different connections of the China chart to America's chart. Like China, we have an Aquarius moon, but our moon is with Pallas in late Aquarius. Their moon is rising with Aquarius on the ascendant. But there are a lot of connections between the charts. For instance, Chiron in the China chart is within two degrees of our rising sign that we have used here for many years for, um, for America from July 4th of 1776. Okay, so what I want to say in closing here, losing my own breath here, is um, in the near future, again, I could go on, but let me just say this. The, the new moon of February 23rd is at four plus of Pisces for the whole world. Okay, so after this, uh, full moon of February 8th and 9th, which is a powerhouse affecting China's chart because it's squaring their Venus. And it's also squaring our Vesta, which is in the process of returning, which only happens every four to five years, by the way. So the next new moon will be Pisces on February 23rd. The next full moon is on is March 9th, a Monday in that part of the world, in the Far East. It will, pro it, will it may occur on March the 10th. At where the sun is at 19 plus of Pisces and the moon is at 19 plus of Virgo. And this is important because Pisces Virgo in the chart represents 12th and 6th house matters. And 12th house matters on one level are hospitals and 6th house matters are health or illness. So, and Neptune is uh, near that posi position in Pisces. And so Neptune has a lot to do with 
either inspiration and imagination and psychic sensitivity and all kinds of beautiful soulful energies and spiritual energies, but on a shadow level has a lot to do with chaos and nebulosity and confusion and people not being crystal clear. So that's the full moon uh, in Pisces and Virgo, March 9 to 10. Um, then we've got... an. I could go on and on here, but the, the April 7th to April 8th full moon, which is at 18 plus of Aries for the sun, 18 plus of Libra for the moon, is the U.S. progressed Mars, the progressed Mars in the secondary progression chart for the United States, where Mars made a station back when President George W. Bush was president in 2004, Mars stopped. We've had actually a retrograding progressed Mars which began around 2004, which will go on for, guess what, 80 years from 2004. So we're only 16 years into an 80-year Mars retrograding cycle, if you want to get into retrogrades other than Mercury. Um, the, the next one, and then I think I'll stop here because I don't want to go on and on. We do have um, a new moon around the summer solstice, which is a powerhouse. A lot of the new moons and the full moons for instance, there will be a new moon on August 18th, right on President Trump's Mars at 26 plus of Leo. And then there's going to be a, a new moon on September 17 at 25 of Virgo, which is very close to the palace natal position of 26 plus of Virgo in the China chart. And it's the Midhaven or top of America's chart from July 4th, 1776. Um, the other one is the new moon of April 22nd in the United States, but in the Far East, it's April 23rd. And that, and that um, new moon is at three plus a Taurus. And this is significant because Uranus has been transiting that position. What is three plus a Taurus? By the way, three plus a Taurus, where Uranus is currently located and will be forcefully uh, coming to the world, um, during that particular uh, April 22nd, April 23rd new moon. That is the discovery position from Chiron, for Chiron when it was discovered back in 1977. We work with discovery positions of Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, Chiron, Pallas, Athena, Ceres, Juno, Vesta, and the other, whether it be asteroids or centaurs, we can discover a lot through the discovery of those charts and looking at all the planetary positions. So I've studied those for dozens of years. Um, and so it is important that transiting Uranus, which is doing so much to create an unsettling condition for China, because it's been going back and forth, squaring the moon of the China chart at three plus Aquarius. And then, as I said, the Chinese lunar new year or new moon of January 24th was at four plus of Aquarius, right in between the moon and the rising degree in China's chart. So looking ahead a couple of months, and particularly I'll stop here for this particular uh, storyline. There's just, there's so much more that I could be doing. And yet I've opened the door to all these different ideas. There are other things I wanted to share, but because we're at a, over an hour and a half at this particular point, and if you're still with me, just know that the April 22nd to April 23rd new moon is at the discovery degree of Chiron. It's very exact. And Uranus is basically there now. Now, Uranus by then will move a little bit away from that particular position. I don't have it in front of me, but it won't be right at that spot. It'll be a little bit past there. Um, so that's also very crucial. I, I think in closing, I'm going to see if I can. Oh, 
I'm going to read from Eleanor Bach about palace again, just to close for somebody else's uh, views than mine. She says here on page 54 of her graphic ephemeris, it is palace who is the inventor. This is Eleanor Bach from dozens of years ago. It is palace who is the inventor, not Uranus, as we have always been told, because inventions are always in the interest of solving problems and greater efficiency. And palace is an efficiency principle. Uranus does have to do with electricity, electronics, and science, but it is Pallas who found ways of putting electricity to use and who used science to advance invention and efficiency. It is Pallas who incorporated Uranus into the economy. Uranus turns lights on, awakens us. He is a revolutionary, but is not in the least interested in economics or efficiency. Uh, unless he is linked to palace. If you're talking revolution, that's Uranus. But when you specify, quote, industrial, unquote, you've brought palace into the picture. Then um, Eleanor Bach goes on. As an economics principle, palaces of necessity and urban deity for cities are economic centers. So think about the fact that President Xi, right at the, um, the new moon of January 24th, with the sun and moon, on the moon and the rising position for China at four plus Aquarius suddenly says we're putting in, you know, a hundred plus billion dollars into our markets in order that they prop up their, their economy because they're afraid that with the outbreak or becoming a pandemic, everybody is going to flee from China and their stocks and it could crash their whole economy. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, so Eleanor Bach says, as an economics principle, palaces of necessity and urban deity for cities are economic centers. Palace is goddess of cities. She is a city slicker. She has, quote, street smarts, unquote. Then she goes on. Intelligence means being able to plan, to look ahead, realize the consequences of action. So palace is a strategist, more of a chess player than a warrior. An adequate exercise of intelligence gives one a feeling of competence, of being able to handle problems, and therefore contributes to a sense of autonomy, of being one's own person, of self-sufficiency. Intelligence is also protective. It is a shield, and I put an asterisk here when I was reading it, it is a shield. Think of Pallas, the shield um, that was given to Perseus in order to slay the Gorgon Medusa. It was a whole ingenious thing because the Gorgon Medusa with the head of all the different snakes. If you looked at the Gorgon Medusa directly in the mythology, you turn to stone. So Pallas comes up with the idea of giving Perseus, he's a, he's a sort of semi-god, uh, a, a shield that's a mirror that he can look in the mirror and then use a sword to cut off the head of the Gorgon Medusa. Now, Gorgon Medusa is another whole different mystery, which is not all necessarily negative. It has a lot to do with the power of the patriarchy and doing all kinds of despicable things to the feminine goddesses and cultures. But anyway, back to this point, and Eleanor Bach was very much aware of this. There's a picture of the goddess Pallas with her staff um, and her headdress on this particular page. At any rate, she goes on to say, it, Pallas is, Athena is a shield against being taken by surprise by unexpected developments. And now this is what's really important. Pallas has much to do with immunology and the immune system, that which protects against invasion in the body. Because she is a creator of patterns, Pallas has to do with DNA, the genetic code. Uh, anyway, I'm skipping a few paragraphs here uh, because I wanted to just read one more thing and we'll, we'll close with Eleanor Bach, thankfully, rather than myself. I have a good sense of humor here. So the next page. In modern times, Pallas is busy with high-tech industries, creating and analyzing systems. 
think of the thing that just went off kilter, what's called this shadow with acronym with Iowa and using an, an app that wasn't really tested. And now we still don't even know the results in, in Iowa, which, which is creating a debacle um, for the Democrats and just for the whole voting system and for the public confidence. So Powell, according to, um, again, Eleanor Bach, Powell is busy with high-tech industries. By the way, on Monday, yesterday, or two days ago, I guess it's two days ago now, when, yeah, on Monday, we had the Pallas Athena exactly with the south node of the moon in a conjunction in the sky. And that's a major alignment. So in, in uh, the charts even for the next full moon and the charts for the recent new moon from uh, January 24th, you'll see the, the horseshoe figure, um, one of the horseshoe figures, um, the one in Capricorn with Pallas Athena and at the debacle in Iowa, uh, on Monday, when the results couldn't be tabulated because the app wasn't working, um, we had Pallas Athena with the south node of the moon in the sky, which is a very rare alignment and which in many ways was considered not desirable and problematic. So here, Pallas, uh, Eleanor Box says, Pallas is busy with high-tech industries, creating and analyzing systems, creating computers and computer programs. She's involved with strategy and strategic arms. And then I circled the, this with defense systems, with Star Wars technology, with robotics. She is inventing and, de and designing in the newest fields. She is an engineer. Much will depend on the sign she is in at the times of her stations, for the sign will show the medium through which her, her excellence will manifest. Uh, by the way, Pallas is going to be stopping at zero Aquarius, which I've talked about before because zero uh, it'll stop at zero Aquarius I think it's May 20th that will be just following a Mars Saturn conjunction on March 31st at zero Aquarius the Jupiter Saturn conjunction of December 21 of this year which launches what we call the air mutation of Jupiter Saturn conjunctions every 20 years way into the next century the zero plus Aquarius point that Pallas will station at in May that's where the a next inauguration will be on January 20th of 2021, and where all presidents have been inaugurated since 1938, when um, we, we passed an amendment that changed the inauguration date, which used to be March 4th of every year during Pisces to Aquarius on January 20th. So here we have the fact of Pallas Athena being discussed by Eleanor Bach, and we know that it's going to make a station at zero plus of Aquarius. Okay, going on here. She is inventing and designing in the newest field. She is an engineer. Much will depend on the sign she is in at the times of her stations. As I just said, um, Pallas will stop in May at zero plus Aquarius, a very significant point in the Zodiac for what's happening with the next election inauguration. And then she says, for, for the sign will show the medium through which her excellence will manifest. Studying achievements, for example, in the field of chemistry when in Pisces, in the arts, especially pottery and weaving when in Taurus, but also in finance when in Taurus, in literature or mathematics, um, mathematics or law when Pallas is in Libra, in journalism and communications when in Gemini, etc. Pallas is the stuff of Nobel Prizes, Pulitzer Prizes, Academy Awards, which, by the way, is happening this month. Pallas is excellent skill expertise. Now, important, negatively, Palace, because every celestial body has a negative side as well as a medium, uh, uh, a low, medium, and high side. Negatively, uh, Eleanor Bach says, palace will indicate a troubled economy, inefficiency, and waste in businesses, poor planning and strategy. Again, 
Think about the Chinese not being prepared for all of this, having to build a hospital in 10 days, putting hundreds and hundreds of beds like two feet apart, letting all these people leave that area, even though they may have had hints that something was let loose there and then half the population of Wuhan is not there. And then you quarantine that city and all these other cities. What about these other people? What about people on cruise ships and people who've left, left China? Okay, so negatively, palace is poor planning and strategy, oversights, outmoded systems, obsolete technology, incompetence. I mean, this is all the stuff of what's been happening in China, let alone in our own government, whether left, right, or center. Uh, palace, as she would say, represents difficulty with problem solving, wasted energy. And this is what I circled also, vulnerable to attack. In my 17 podcasts about the United States progressed, secondary progressed sun with the secondary progressed palace Athena uh, in May, June of last year, the whole idea of the voting, which is going to determine our um, free elections. This is the danger because palace has a lot to do with, it's connected a lot to all the other asteroids, particularly to Vesta, which represents safety and security. And if our defense shields are not up, whether it's a secretary of, Def whether it's the defense department, the Pentagon, or the human immune system. So that's why she said uh, in this phrase, palace when negative has to do with vulnerability to attack, um, to being attacked like our physical body by a virus. And then she says, or neglect or inadequate development of the human potential, poor educational systems, lowered standards and cities in trouble. And we certainly know a whole lot about that. So going down one more level here about uh, where she's talking about the manifestation in individual charts. And I will end on this note. She says, uh, palace is the indicator of our body's defense system. That is the immune system, which protects us against invasion by dangerous organisms. So how much clearer can you get? And then she says negatively, there again, there may be inefficiency. This is an individual charts in particular. There may be inefficiency, waste, difficulty with solving problems. And then she says, again, inadequate immunity to disease. Okay. So, and then she even talks about in the body, the brain literally may be an issue as for instance, in Alzheimer's disease. And so she was talking about this, you know, 20 plus years ago using astrology and mundane and earth astrology with all of this. I rest my case. Lots of love and blessings. Protect yourself. Study all of this. Try and understand and go through all of this to the best of your ability. And thank you for listening on this longest of all podcasts. Many blessings and bye for now.